0: Live from Kent, this is The Late Late Show with Toby Payne Cook and Ed Finch. And you are listening live. And Ed Finch, is in Devon?
1: Not in Kent. And it's that big, deep voice. Welcome, it's Wednesday night, and welcome to Toby and Ed. Um, we're gonna be talking about creativity, creative thinking, and, and the nature of curious, Curious Children, um, and are they all different? Are they the same thing? When we think about that, we're gonna carry on with professional identity from last week, and we gonna talk about Blur, and Oasis, and
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or join in the conversation by downloading the Podbean app and following Teachers Talk Radio. Hashtag TT Radio. Hashtag
1: TT Radio. Hope you're enjoying the new opening jingle, everybody. Welcome to the show. Good evening, Lucy. Good evening, Rich and B-S-N-C, and good evening to those of you who are going to be listening to us whilst you're doing the ironing, commuting to work, or going for a jog, or whatever, whenever you listen to us. Um, but thank you very much for listening to us, and thank you very much for giving up the time to listen to our rambles. I am waiting for Ed. I, I think he's he's with us this evening. Um, he was probably a bit confused. Here he is, here he is. Here he is. Um, I started a bit late. Sorry, Ed, I started a bit late. Good evening.
2: In a pool, but there's, there you go, I've only just got here. What's been going on? What did I miss?
1: You missed our new jingle again. Um, you missed that jingle. And you missed I missed it. Over the jingle that we're going to be talking about creativity, creative thinking, the curiosity right. of young children. A bit about okay. professional ID identity right. carrying on from last week, and maybe a little bit of Blur oasis trad versus prog and flawed surveys on Twitter. But first right. of all, Ed, right. I owe right. you a massive apology, and I'm Are going you? to remain silent for a few seconds. Um because I inferred you that did. No, no, I, didn't <laughs> I inferred yet. something horrible about you yesterday. Oh, you did, but I didn't think you meant to. So I didn't I mean to.
2: No, I absolutely you didn't mean to, mean to say to... that I was a narrow, vain, <laughs> shallow, solipsistic, misogynist. Did you? That wasn't what you are meaning to say. But you know, somehow that's how it came out. It's just like that sometimes. Discourse, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, that's the problem with with um, it's the problem with the written word, really, isn't it? It's open to interpretation without um the body language and the intonation and the clarification. And I think, well, I I was sort of I went off on one a little bit because um. Uh, well, Richard,
2: I've the context in which you insulted me. I can't
1: <laughs> <well>? <laughs> I didn't insult you. The context was Richard, who's listening live, complimented mm-hmm. us on the invitation and our conversation with Daniel last week, Daniel Bundred, yeah. and thought it worked quite well. And I, I did think it would quite work quite well. And I think, and he said, you know, maybe you should have guests more often. And I thought I think, that was a,
2: um, I thought it was a big credit to Daniel. Yeah. presumably wasn't expecting to jump on the call and join in but did so and was very clear I, and I, i've never met daniel i'd like to now i mean not that i wouldn't have liked you before but he was uh it was great having him on and he did well he is a good person i like him
1: yes i think so i think so he was he was he was eloquent and and wise and articulate and and i i know that his position is not liked by some of the other people who 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 who. Um, but but it was it was it was rationally argued, um, and yeah. and well reasoned, well reasoned. And and I think just well, picking I... up on that, we should we should we should probably carry on where we left off last week, mm-hmm. briefly. Um, uh, but in a moment, let's do just a quick hello. How are you? How how are you? How's your week going? How's your tiredness? How's your frustration mm-hmm. with underfunding and. British politics, and all that stuff?
2: Uh, Tiredness. um, Seven and a half, eight out of ten, perhaps. Um, Frustration with the constraints of the school system we're within. I don't know. It has points today. It peaked around nine, I would say. Whoa. Um, No, it is very, very frustrating trying to do everything we need to do, run a school and teach 50% of the timetable and deal with stuff and try and remain try to remain human with it. There's the hard bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's really difficult. I had, um, You know, I had a couple of situations I had to deal with today and, you know, and other stuff is going on, you know, like you're trying to deal with something which actually makes quite a big difference to a human being's life. At the same time, you've got people firing questions at you. And there's not enough money in the system to try and make the things that you want to happen happen, and you're just like, oh, do you know what? It is a bit broken.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I'm no, yeah, I am. I'm glad we've got this tonight because otherwise, I think I would be in a grump.
0: But speaking, oh, good. To you
2: always cheers me
1: up. Oh, well, it, it does. Having you like, there.
2: Can I tell you about having you there, caring <laughs> for me? You know, sometimes you just need to know oh. that someone out there cares about you. You know.
1: Well, I think that's and nice. And, uh, yeah. I'm talking over you. <laughs> you, you are, but you, you know. Um, anyway, I yeah,
2: think but, uh, yeah.
1: yeah, carry on. I think you, that it's um, I think that's that, that that's the point of our show, actually, isn't it? It's it's a little indulgent, perhaps, but but we're not on Radio One in, in prime time, so I think um, it's okay. Soon, surely. um um, but but it's 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 that it is just a nice sort of catch-up in public really i mean it's not it's not hugely public i mean (laughs) but um it's a nice sort of catch-up and and it is it is something to look forward to i like it i like it too can i tell you about the strangest day in my educational teaching life thus far it was monday yes so so on on sunday um i communicated with a friend who lives in hawkehurst which is the village where my where my school is um and she told me there was no water there was no water supply and that it was mm-hmm. likely that that the school she teaches at which is also very near hawkehurst and and my school and and indeed the village primary are likely to be closed on monday because you can't really run a school without any running water because you can't flush the loose mm-hmm. and drink water and cook lunch and la 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 la, la. Mm-hmm. um, or wash your hands etc cetera, etc cetera. so um i but we went into school so i went into school on monday morning and there was still mm-hmm. no water it was supposed to come back on at six o'clock monday morning but it didn't so so that's mm-hmm. why we went into school and then and then there was an announcement from southwest East water that there was going to be no water until um the afternoon. So a decision obviously mm-hmm. was made by the school, but all the children were in the school. So we had assembly, Monday morning assembly as as usual. And then we would just and and but then children were allowed to go home or expected to be collected by twelve, because you know, I, I think that um, and so we ran we ran normal school until twelve. Quite a lot of children disappeared at sort of half past nine, ten o'clock, mm-hmm. half past ten um by 12 o'clock except for staff children um everyone had gone home so so that was that was the water thing um but yeah. at 5 past 9 on monday morning um i didn't find out about this until break time um, none of us found out about it until break time um at 5 past 9 we had the call from the independent Ooh. schools inspectorate so Ooh. so right. we had the call on monday morning um but of course, the head said it's possible that we are without water still on Tuesday, um, um, and and yeah. that might and there'll be no so, pupils so, in, yeah, and there'll be no pupils in, and 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 so forth. So so they, <coughs> so they then the message was they were going to have to contact the the ISI, we're going to have to contact the DFE to sort of defer the mm-hmm. inspection, right? So, right. but but at that time when we were told we had an inspection the next day, um, we were told. Um, that it was unlikely the dfe were going to grant us this wish and we needed to prepare yeah. for inspection so so mm-hmm. on monday it was quite a blessing in some respects because the children all went home so we had the whole afternoon yeah. so, so so long so as f- nobody
2: needed to flush a toilet it was fine
1: so so between 11 30 sort of 11 mm-hmm. after after our break time meeting between about 11 ish and and two ish um no so yeah between and then we had a meeting the staff had a meeting once all the kids had gone home we we we, we were asked to stay We were, there, was, there was bottled water provided and and um etc cetera, etc cetera. so um but we were told we could go home at half past two but we had a meeting at one o'clock and about you know preparing for the inspection and then i was just I so i went into um you know prepare for inspection mode uh yeah. and was thinking i was gonna have been quite a late night on monday i think i was gonna have quite a late night because i wasn't really feeling quite ready with with some of my bits and pieces and so mm-hmm. you know it was, it was going to be that night before inspection busyness and then um at two o'clock we got we got a um notification um that the inspection would be deferred and likely to be deferred until after christmas because obviously really? the inspectors are all lined up and scheduled and booked in their okay. calendars so yeah. so it wasn't going to be deferred by a week or two weeks so, you know i suppose there's a, there's a small chance it could be just before christmas but it sounds like it's going to be january or february um and so i was into that sort of deep emotional intense preparation mode and then suddenly oh breath of sigh of relief so and then 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 i came home monday uh, Mid afternoon, because mm-hmm. I was desperate for a cup of tea and 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 some running water, because I had running water at home, and and then I had a quite a lazy Monday evening. Watched the news, had some food, and then I finished reading my book, my brilliant book that I put a tweet tw- tweet on on today, The um, Romantic by William Boyd, which is going to be talked about briefly at Gentlemen's Feasting Club also known as book club tomorrow night um and and so instead of spending the whole evening preparing for an inspection i spent three hours which is an unheard of amount of time to mm-hmm. be sitting still on the sofa reading reading a book and i just thought yeah. how bizarre is that it was just a topsy-turvy emotional day it was very weird and then we went all went back to school on tuesday morning and um with running water and everything was fine um and so um there we go so, so I would have obviously, if we had an inspection, this radio show probably would have been cancelled, um, postponed or whatever, because I'd have been, yeah. um, preparing lessons for tomorrow and all that malarkey. So, um, because we have a three day inspection ICI, the ISI, I think that's not ICI, I used to work for them, um, ISI, Independent Schools Inspectorate, um, which is actually kind of very similar to the previous Ofsted framework. So, we're not on the, we, they have, you know, they tend to follow, they tend to lag one framework behind in ISI. Mm-hmm. So, so we haven't got into that so, whole deep dive curriculum so in thing. In terms
2: of the ISI, so they'd say there a, a framework behind, is it all about looking at internal data and saying why isn't this micro, cohort? or it's that? It's not so
1: much into data, it, it, but it's it's uh-huh. it's all about you know. It's still about the sort of I, I don't know. Maybe it is still about this in in, in the new OFSTED framework. It's all about demonstrating progress within a lesson, which of course is a farce, really. You know, it's, it's yeah, no, we moved you know, uh, on from that yeah wow. it's demonstrating progress in a lesson it's it's um it's quite prog in 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 the sense that it's quite um you know they want they want lively um kind of lessons not not too much teacher talk um oh, you know it, it, it's that all that is sort of stuff. like
2: ringing the clock back my friend that is, is like ringing the clock back yeah
1: yeah that's rather sweet you know it is it, it is quite cool. sweet but i suspect uh, well unless there's a revolution i suspect they will review their framework in line with um Ofsted. I, I think there are some merits in the in the in the new Ofsted framework. Um a lot of the a lot of the sort of fluffy guff has gone. Um however, yeah. um there is you as we've what, discussed b- before the there's, there's yeah. too much emphasis on too much precise curriculum, but but you can choose your own curriculum if you're not a um, if you're in an academy or a uh,
2: yeah, we
1: can or a free a school, school. but but, but obviously the, the
2: yeah, we have to demonstrate it as the same breadth and depth as the national curriculum. It doesn't need to be the same as the national curriculum. It, you know, so we've got that. It's I, I was talking earlier this week to a gentleman who um, uh, who was trying to sell me a product. And it's a product I'm moderately interested in, so I'm happy to let him try and sell it to me. So we're going to meet up and have a chat. I said, well, listen, you know, if you want to come to Crediton and we can have a pint in the pub that that, and you can tell me about this thing that... That's fine, but it's quite a long drive for you. And he goes, you know what, I once drove from home, which is the south coast of Devon, to to Oxford to hear you speak. So I wow. think it's not too bad. I was like, no, that can't be right. He's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, Admittedly, Jamie Pembroke was speaking as well. So I'm like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. That was, that was the conference that in which Sean Harford announced the changes to the framework to okay. you know to the to the framework now so i mean my warm-up act was i think thoroughly upstaged by sean harford saying you know we won't be looking at your internal data and it's all going to be about breadth of curriculum and entitling that every child has a rich entitlement you know i was i was shouting from the rafters i was like we have won my friends look at this this is what we've been campaigning for and this is what we got you know they we spoke they listened i was, I yeah. was a big cheerleader of course, what happened was that the rubber hit the road and things got bent out of shape pretty quickly. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm in a middle sized school, I think, really. It's 150 pupils. That's somewhere in the middle. It's still technically small, but I think it isn't really. It's just about operates as a one form entry near enough. In the truly small schools, you know, those schools where there's two classes one class has got R1, two, and the other class has got three, four, five, six in those circumstances the new framework is an absolute doctrine. it does not yeah. make any sense i'd like no. to talk to the uh, reading read lead okay that's me okay uh, and then after that if i could speak to the maths lead oh yeah also me okay <laughs> and then after that we really do need to speak to the uh, to the safeguarding lead yes that's me <laughs> yes
0: you know yeah you know, so I you think- know, have you
2: done have you done a deep dive into this subject? No, not really. I'm quite busy teaching and running the school, so it doesn't really work in small schools. It's a shame because the um, I will absolutely say that the intentions were were thoroughly good and absolutely. And right Sean team. Harford
1: is a good man, isn't he? Sean Harford, he he was booted off Twitter, wasn't he? Because he, I think he's, I think he may have left Ofsted now. I heard a rumor. Is that right?
2: I, yeah, I believe he has
1: left. Ofsted I think, now, yeah. but he was he was sort of second in command to to Amanda Spielman. Is that right? I think. I think. And um,
2: yeah, so he, he was head of school, I heard him so speak. Ofsted at... covers lots of things. You know, Ofsted doesn't. We always talk about it in terms of schools, but it covers. You know,
1: it covers um, lots of uh, Yeah, yeah. You
2: know, but he, so, he, and and he was so he was in charge of schools, and that's a big old job. But he was second command, and he did have to try and. I remember him speaking very frankly. We were saying, that, you know, in in a question Q and A, and I think not, like, you know, not in a personal conversation, but we were saying, you know, we need to get rid of this ridiculous outstanding thing, which is totally spurious mm. and totally subjective. We mm. need to get rid of that and have either your school is good enough, or your school is not good enough. That's what we yeah. need to know. Yeah, you know. And he's like, well, do you know what? I I agree with you. And I think you'll find probably the majority of people who work for Ofsted agree with you. But, you know, the politicians just won't have it. They think that parents like the outstanding uh, judgment and they won't have it any other way. So you've got this, focus on curriculum, no longer looking at internal data because we know that's all cooked up in the back room while we're on the premises, if necessary, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You've got that bit. And I don't think you're going to win your, your, you know, he was very frank. I don't think you're going to get it. In fact, I remember one of the very when I had just 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 joined Twitter, which is ooh, eight, nine years ago, I think now. Um, I remember eavesdropping on a conversation between Sean and Michael Claddingball, who did his job before him. I don't even remember Michael. Still no. working around no. and still a very interesting man. Well, well worth uh, looking out for. In which they were having this conversation on Twitter. I think maybe they'd misunderstood the difference between tweets and DMs, because they were saying you know michael who was the outgoing person in the job was saying we need to get rid of this nonsense of the outstanding It's it just doesn't work and 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 they were kind of agreeing on that and saying that's what we need to work towards but it's going to be a long old journey those tweets have gone i think somebody the next morning
3: said
1: well i think (laughs) that's what i when i joined twitter was i was a very late adopter um Mm -hmm. october 2018 and then and then we were into summer um twenty nineteen and I went to curriculum ed in in um Litchfield Cathedral School organized by Sputnik Steve um Stephen Lane mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. met Sean off Harford and had had a chat with him over lunch actually Sean Harford and um, your friend, I think, you know, Sam Twistleton and, and, yes. and I met, that's when I met wonderful Nick Wood as well. Um, and, mm-hmm. and Martin Robinson and quite a few other people. It was, it was, a, I enjoyed that day. It was, it was quite a trad oh, that day that you know? for me. You know? Um, but, yeah. um, but I, I enjoyed checking with Sean and he was, but he was quite active on Twitter and, and people liked that. But then I think he was he said you know he's told just as just as um mark and zoe Enser no longer tweet about education because they have their their ofsted jobs so it's it's a it's mm. a it's well, a slightly I mean, political role so you can't you can't um you it can't it wasn't really that it was because he kept
2: being drawn into arguments by a certain tweeter it's a person i like personally very much but who was it, on uh, was really the king
1: really of arguments the mind. king of arguments is that is that our math teacher friend
2: no i'm not going to be i'm not going to say not new was, it,
1: not it, new but no okay oh maybe it was someone else maybe it was um maybe it was taught for teaching yes anyway I,
2: um anyway he kept getting no into these situations and i think initially they were like it's brilliant having this guy on twitter because like somebody says hang on a sec i don't understand this he'd just jump in and explain it i thought he and i thought he did it really well I'll tell you who I also miss. I miss um, his wife, Lisa, who I think is a tremendous person, and I haven't seen her on the Twitters either. So if anybody listening knows Sean and Lisa, will they give us... There's give another famous Harford, regards. isn't
1: there? Uh, Tim Harford, who's nothing yeah. to do with education. Um, well, I don't what, think he's anything to do with education. He must have been educated, so you can't really say nothing. OK, good point well made. Um, but we've, we've diverted. have Tim Harford, we, doesn't he? No, he we've we've yes that's right we've wonderfully deviated as and and i think that's exactly what we should do um but whilst we've been talking about ofsted i think the problem with any inspection framework and it applies to sort of laboratory safety inspections when i was at pfizer as well or or any safety inspection any kind of form of any inspection framework um and and it applies to progress eight in 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 secondary schools as well if you put a However broad, I mean, Progress Eight is quite narrow. But however broad your inspection framework is, people are then going. This is the challenge with schools. I think Ofsted, the inspection framework, you know, HMI, ISI, whatever. It's it's as someone said to me at school the other day. You know, that's that's really what it's all about. And whether it should be about that or Mm -hmm. not, I don't know. I don't want to get into that now. But I just think the problem, the challenge is, however well thought out an inspection framework is whether it's a safety inspection framework or a compliance inspection framework or a quality mm-hmm. of education, quality of learning, quality of teaching, whatever, um, you're going to have people playing the game. And and then you sort of narrow the scope of perhaps what a school should be, or you narrow the scope of what perhaps education yeah. should be. And, and however good willed and and warm-hearted and thoughtful uh, the inspectors are, um, it, it changes the behaviours within a school. And, and then also, perhaps, this is a really controversial comment, but perhaps the people who progress through school management and into SLT and, and beyond um, are the people who are best at playing that game and not necessarily the best at creating a really purposeful community and ethos within the school and they're they're, they're very you know they're box tickers ultimately Mm -hmm. and 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 so so that's the problem with any form of inspection any form of compliance inspection is is it's important to check that things are being done right and people aren't aren't you know are doing their jobs if you like and doing providing a good service but on the flip side you you it that becomes all doesn't it and 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 the heart the heart I mean, no, can be so perhaps knocked out of it a bit
0: is
2: it you know any framework i was trying to argue the other day about you know the year two reading test does it test what you think it tests don't get me started on the year six reading sat you know Does it test what you think it tests? No, it doesn't test reading. It tests general knowledge. It tests, you know, at the very best breadth of vocabulary. So when we're trying to prepare those children for those things, we get sucked into all sorts of rabbit holes. We get sucked into the rabbit hole of, you know, teaching them different sorts of test questions. And we teach them how to miss out the, which is very bad advice indeed, by the way, miss out the difficult ones and come back to them later. You won't come back to them later and you'll just give up on things before you, uh, address them and uh, all this nonsense you know and they go actually at the end of the day we're not testing reading so why don't we could be a bit honest about that and say so we're testing the richness of children's life experience up to that point and we're testing the uh, vocabulary they've been exposed to but you've got to do something apparently you know i'm sure there's lots of people out there i was reading a thing from philip pullman earlier saying why would you on earth would you want to know what children have got from a text you know they'll get whatever they get from it and like in years to come it will flower so, yeah but in today's education framework, somebody wants me to put a tick in a box to say that this child is an age-related expectation, or that they're mm. not, and what I'm going to do about it. So as soon as you put any metric, people work for the metric, you know?
1: Metrics um, are, yeah, that's it. And and we can then, I suppose we can blame computers and maths for that, can't we, really, ultimately? But, I mean,
2: what's uh, the, uh, the the alternative, I guess, that lots of people would say, and I don't I don't totally disagree, is like, if you look at the days before the national curriculum, you had t- t- schools and teachers that were doing the most terrific job and we mourn their passing. Teachers looking at the children in front of them and saying, what is going to turn this child on to knowledge? What is going to turn them on to, to learning? What are we going to do? How are we going to explore it? How are we going to exploit it? And, you know, that kind of deep planning, which we just don't do anymore that was a feature of great schools before the national curriculum the feature of bad schools under the national curriculum i kid you not as a lady was telling me with the evangelical zeal in her eye a term we did a term where we kept chickens did you i'm like oh maybe you did maths about chickens and painted the chickens and maybe no, you, I don't no no we didn't we kept chickens in the toilet the toilet so we had two toilets so we kept the chickens in one of the toilets and put chicken wire across the front the children could use the other toilet they loved it they were fascinated i'm like my word okay maybe we did need a national curriculum to save us from the chicken keeping
1: but um yeah, yeah exactly no, no exactly
2: there's good and there's bad now isn't there you know there's i think i rich- think
1: that's it are there enough there's not you know this applies to every aspect of life for the number of the way our school system's set up, are there enough good, really great head teachers who are great leaders uh, to go around? Are there enough great classroom teachers to go around you know probably not, probably not, so it's yeah, become all about systems, hasn't it in the big schools it's all become it. about systems, yeah so, and, can, and... So, so yeah, well,
2: it is that, isn't it? so we go okay, well, we can't rely on on inspiring teachers, so we have to have systems in place so that every teacher can um can do a job you know and i actually
1: well i don't which ironically ironically may scare off the inspiring teacher and so you end up with these sort of middle ability sort of slightly bland um i'm being really controversial sorry um you know you you sort of end up it's a bit like big brother contestants isn't it or or i'm a celebrity winners probably the more quirky the character the the more awkward and and um challenging but potentially interesting they tend to get voted out somewhere in the middle you know they'll be kept in for a while um but but yeah. the the safe the safe one who doesn't really rock boats who, who's a great sort of you know uh, you know the, the ultimately not the, the super boring get voted out first mm-hmm. the, the, the 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 sort of just the cautious end up winning these things and that's okay because we don't want a world full of full of mavericks because that wouldn't be great but um but equally we don't want to scare all the mavericks off because the mavericks make life more interesting sometimes um got, okay. well,
2: got, i suppose you could say in you know your child is going to be at primary school for six years and it, in those six years you want them to have some really stolid uh, mid-ranking players who who do the basics and get them through to actually teach them how to read and write and do maths You'd want at least one stone-cold, insane teacher in there that they can yeah. talk about when they're, <laughs> Exactly. I don't know. Were you I think so. Or, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. People say, I often run into people from Oxford, say, oh, the children still talk about you. And you think, I don't know, that's an unmitigatedly good thing, actually.
1: <laughs> no. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 it is. It's hard, teacher. isn't it? I think that's it. Anyway, um, we, I, we are going to, I'm just going to, let's go back. Let's go on to... Um, just just literally for two or three minutes i don't think we need to say very much about this about the sort yeah. of professional identity i wanted to talk about so last week we spoke about teacher identity and that you know is it just a job you know are you if you're if you're doing the job of teaching are you a teacher or if you were trained as a teacher and teaching's in your bones and part of your identity are you a teacher so we we did that discussion last week and i think yep. it was i think we did it very comprehensively but we didn't quite <sighs> get into the the sort of more um you know the question i've got the survey here um i did think i read it out right at the end of the show but apart from family brackets mum dad sis little brother etc gender social class background politics religion sexual orientation nationality and ethnicity what do you consider to be the most prevalent part of your identity and 124 mm. people voted only three percent said academic background so so what they studied either at school or um, and all at of university. Them went to
2: Oxford. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all um
1: and and then fifty-nine percent said professional job, twenty-seven percent yeah. said personality traits, and eleven percent said interests and in hobbies. So I I at first reading of that I was sort of intrigued because a lot of people that I know I you know, most of my friends because I went to university, most of my friends also went to university because you know, we tend to mm-hmm. we tend to mix with the sort of, you know are either our intellectual equivalents or our social equivalents don't we that's how life pans out um and so and i know there are a lot of people who sort of do describe themselves well i'm a chemist or i'm a lawyer Mm -hmm. or i'm a i'm a well if you're a lawyer you've probably gone into law and you've probably done it for a few more years after university but or i'm a um whatever i'm an economist or or something and um but i suppose yeah it doesn't surprise me that actually very few people use those three years because i i always find it ridiculous that we define ourselves by those three years so i'm pleased to see that most people don't think that they do that um i'm slightly more perturbed and i would i would do it we do it because when we meet people don't we and we, you know so you know if you meet if meet a complete stranger and you're chatting in a sort of semi-formal social situation Often the first question, because it's it, it is an icebreaker, is well, what do you do or well, where do you work and 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 you know if when I was a scientist and he said well I'm a scientist oh oh that's interesting oh and people like find one intrigued because you don't meet scientists very often and and then you know once I started prattling on about what I did they eyes glazed over and they drifted off but they found the idea of being a scientist quite exciting um, yeah. if I now say I'm a teacher. Um, We probably have a longer conversation because everyone's got an opinion about education and schools Mm and they have probably either got children who are going through school or have been through school or or, um, are about to go through school. And so everyone's, you know, there's, there's a bit of conversation there, but equally people, I don't, you know. I don't think teachers are held in as high regard in society as scientists, from my personal experience. Um, mm-hmm. certainly from my children's perspective. I I'll be quite, you know, and I'm sorry, this is Teachers Talk Radio, but my children say, Dad, I preferred it when you were a scientist. It's cool having a dad as a scientist, it's not cool having a dad as a teacher. And and um and that that is that is I think the collective general consensus is that teachers aren't cool because they're these sort of authority figures and uh only probably 20 or 30 percent of people really love school most of people just kind of get through it and and some yeah. people have a teacher who inspires them and excites them others love have teachers who like you know they just see them as people who are you know so so i think uh, but we do tend to identify ourselves or introduce ourselves based on our profession whereas i, I do think it would be more interesting if we described ourselves based on our personality you know a little yeah, bit more because I, I don't think
2: you know the, the most important you know the most important thing about me at the end of the day is that i'm the father to my son he's still yeah. you know at the moment that may not be the case in another few years you know but at the moment he still desperately needs me he's that age that he He's growing up, and he's an independent man, and he, you know him, and you know what he's like. But it's still vitally important that I'm his dad, and that's the key relationship in my life, and I think that's the key relationship in his life. And
1: yeah,
2: I, I have to remember that everything else is extra. You know, I have to earn some money, otherwise we can't eat food. But that's the bit. And like, it's, I agree. It's really so it's family,
1: because, family, your yeah. your position i I didn't give that as an option because I kind of ruled that out because i think I think a lot of us would you know we're a dad or we're a mum or we're a brother or we're a sister or we're we're a son or a daughter and and that is where it starts and and that is I, I agree it is the most important and god it's stressful and hard and difficult at times but it's also the most fulfilling and 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 wonderful and rewarding yeah. um as well so so i agree you know I, I think i think i changed my twitter profile recently because i was getting a bit fed up well now the badges are dead um I, I was getting a bit fed up with being the edgy bat um so i think mm-hmm. i am j- just um i think i have just described myself you know uh, as oh go away what are you doing there's all sorts of random crap going on on twitter at the moment right dad teacher former scientist at tt radio mm. 2022 co-host tweeting about education, science, philosophy, wild coast, farming, music, books, and nonsense. There we go. So, yeah, so I think you're right. I yeah. think we are dads first. And and then we, um, but equally, you know, we're sort of, uh, we're extroverts or we're introverts or we're curious or we're music lovers or we are um, sporty types or we are, you know, there's all that. But it's 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 interesting how what we do for a living um and it is in most cases what we do for a living um rather than our life's passion isn't it um it it, it sort of does define in other people's eyes if not in our own eyes who we are so there's a load of you know when someone finds out one is a teacher or one is a doctor or one is a bin man or a bin lady um or Mm -hmm. bin person um you 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 we tend to However, open minded and kind and empathetic and wonderful we may be, we tend to put them in a bit of a box, don't we? we? Yeah, we and, do.
2: And uh, one of the things I've always, well, it's a tiny soapbox bit, really, is like, you know, when I first started teaching, which wasn't in the UK state system, I was teaching overseas and I hadn't done it before, really, and I didn't know what to do. And I thought the best, the quickest way to, to, to look like a good teacher or to be a good teacher was going to be to emulate the kind of teachers that I, wanted to be or respected you know so I worked quite hard at being like those people and it was exhausting and it wasn't very authentic and it wasn't great teaching actually because I was always you know there's always that thing between me and uh, the pupils this sort of level of pretense when I learned to strip that away and go just be I'm going to be very authentically me and that's that's who you get engagement improved and, and and you know and outcomes improved you know in you know just you could you could see it was it felt better it felt more authentic but also the teaching was better because they were getting better results in their in their little tests you know mm. so I sort of thought that that was quite early on in my personal development as a teacher is thinking do you know what I'm a better teacher if I'm authentically me I'm a better teacher if I'm more honest about <sighs> two, about am. Um, have I got another sneeze coming normally there's, there's always a second
1: one they do well, come in two they
2: maybe i'll keep the second one for later but yeah i know i mean that sounds kind of frothy and nonsense no. but it, it was very true i think that i had to go through this thing of trying to be someone else to go do you know what i'm just better off being me but i kind of i've carried that on and i don't think it's always done me favors really i don't think it's always done me professional favors but i've always kind of stuck with it because i just thought if you're not you who are you
1: um, I agree. I think I think a lot of but but I a lot of people who are very true I'm not a very well you know I can I, I'm selling myself down the river a bit. I can be really professional when I absolutely have to be, you know. I I I think I I can do it. I can I can I can do it. But but I don't I don't like this flipping into being a different version of myself. I like to just be how I feel and and that's quite challenging as a teacher and maybe in many ways being a teacher doesn't suit me because I'm quite a spontaneous and 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 slightly, you know, non-conformist individual. And and you know, mm. you so so so. But but I think I I've always found it weird in the workplace, whether it was in science or or in teaching, when people can seemingly sort of flip into being a completely different version of themselves. Whereas you know, I I, I suppose I'm different with different people. So if I'm hanging yeah. out with my music geeky gig fans, then I'm I'm quite a different person to, or I'm at Glastonbury or WOMAD, I'm quite a different person to when I'm when I'm in a yeah. you know that's a family true, gathering I mean, or in the classroom.
2: You probably but, use a different voice on the phone to yeah you know, to your mum and to your mate. That's 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 part Absolutely. of being a human. The question is, are you always yourself? That's not that you always present uh, exact. Uh, think think about your voice you know the voice that you hear in your head is different to the voice that you hear when we tape you you know yeah. people listening to this through their phones are getting a different version of you. for people if anybody's listening to it through massive great speakers they're getting very different that's because of the formant of the voice you know when i sing um uh you know a middle a at 440 cycles a second that's not what you're hearing you're hearing all sorts of overtones um that echoing around my you know my my mouth and my and my throat and my head and my chest are all bringing out different overtones of the voice and that's what you hear you know the hear this really quite complex set of things you know when you listen to music in the car sometimes if the road's noisy you can't pin it to a key oh because yeah you're missing the really informative parts of the formant which means actually and then you go onto a different road surface and sometimes there's quite a mental lurch as it suddenly resolves into the key that it really is you know and i think that's true of us you know we have you know i'm not a different person when i'm speaking to a member of the family as opposed to when i'm speaking to you know uh, my son or uh you know or a friend in the pub or uh, or you know that's not a different person but there's different aspects of me different parts of the formant are being drawn out that's different from trying to pretend to be someone else
1: absolutely and that that links to a topic which i think we might have to defer till next week because but um, no really? <laughs> I, 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 I think that links to we we are we're all lucy said it so there's some great comments in the chat actually lucy just I've said heard, levels I've of self of i'm never not me just see more or less of me depending what i prune for circumstances and i think i think when we you know but once different people create different versions of ourselves as well don't we so so if we're
2: pruning some of that pruning that lucy's doing there is on purpose because she's like oh i'm speaking to someone quite important i better not swear you know uh and some of it is just reacting to how that person is but because she's my you know i think she's my sort of age you've met her i haven't
1: lucy you know, is, you... is is our sort of age she is she's, so she's an
2: adult you know, she obviously
1: looks a lot younger than us though ed but you know she she's I'm definitely sure, our but, sort of age
2: you know but once you get to that point in your <laughs> life when you've got enough edges knocked off and enough life experience then you know you've got a really rich formant to draw on uh whereas when i was in my early 20s you know I, there was a certain amount of pretense going on i don't think there's i don't think many young people aren't you know well, that's not very good that's not a very good sentence but do you know what i mean i think i was trying on different versions of myself and some of them weren't as authentic as others whereas now i'm 21 god save me um you know i think yeah. there's more versions of me no and that's in- what
1: we do in our in in adolescence We 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 are Desperate. Well, virtually all of us, unless you're extremely confident. Mm. It was very interesting. I w- I watched the Louis Theroux Youngblood thing last night, which mm. was I spawned interestingly. That was fascinating. sort of about about um he's great Louis Theroux, I'm a big big fan. Um and mm. um and Youngblood was quite an interesting character. But yeah, it was just I think unless you're extremely confident to to stand out, you know, mm. through our adolescence, we just want to fit in, even though we know yeah. it feels wrong. A lot of the time you know i i I pretended to be a goth i wasn't
2: naturally a goth yeah so so Um, the simplest level of this is what kate said she says you've got to remember that you're more than your identity whether a professional identity is not who you are you know if you get to a point when you think who am i i am a teacher who am i i am a head teacher or whatever it is you make yourself incredibly brittle incredibly mm. brittle look mrs p's back in and she knows about it. be hi
1: stuff. mrs p hi maxim's okay. just joined as well hi kate um yeah some great comments kate's made some good comments earlier on as well as we spool up a little bit um yeah. I, we are going to go to the news in a minute um and we're going to defer we're going to have to defer the creativity thing because that needs a whole show so i think this professional okay. identity i did think it was After quite the a news big there's thing. only
0: going to be
2: about 10 minutes left so we've exactly got exactly on, so
1: so and there's some frivolous stuff to talk about as well so um mm-hmm. Let's just go. Let's but let's 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 stick with this, and then we'll do the news. And with ten minutes left at the end, I think because I just think I learned hmm. to introduce myself with my values and what matters to me, not my job title. I I think that's really cool, Kate. I love that too. Um, who I am versus what I do. Um, that's absolutely it. But of course, who we are, um, does change through our lives unless we do the same job or work with the same work in the same environment for our whole life. We tend to. I mean, that's the, the book I've just read. Oh, I could go on about it for days. The Romantic um, by William Boyd. It was he he he's pit, he teed it up at the beginning with an author's note about um how he had some notes about this guy called Cashel Greville Ross, um who he had a few notes about him and he was going to write a sort of biography about him, but he didn't have enough information to write a biography about him. Um and so he wrote basically a fictional story of of this guy's life. Um I suspect. Him having the notes about him was fiction in itself, right? Because you know he's a very clever writer, William Boyd. Um. So, so, but, but he, it, but Cashel Ross lived th- from seventeen ninety nine until eighteen eighty two. And so it was basically a biography of this guy's life who, who fought at Waterloo and then was in the East Indian Army. And then he hung out with the romantic poets in, in um, Byron and Shelley and so forth in, in Pisa. And then he fell in love in Ravenna. And then he went to America. He was in Marshallsea prison, for debtor's prison for a while. Um, and it was, it was kind of, you know, he, he was always, you know, by the end of the book, he was always the same person, a you know, and and who 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 and it really quite resonated with me, you know, how life, you know, had a lot of whims and and um, uh, uh, but but my word, did he have very hugely varied experiences? And I think I think those of us who do chop and change career or or country in which we live in or part of the country, you know, living in a city, you know, what you've done, it Ed, the difference between living. And working in Oxford and living in Crediton and working in Chagford—that's that's a hugely cultural difference, and it's within one country, but um, that's quite big, isn't it? And so that that affects our being mm. and our, the way we see the world and the way people see us, you know. And and I think I think that's that's the thing that I wanted to get out is that um, if we describe ourselves as a teacher or a scientist or a doctor or, or or whatever, then the perceptions of others are are based on their experience of teachers and scientists and, and doctors which is only one tiny narrow part you know that the, the, there's a huge range of teachers isn't there so from people who are teaching in early years mm-hmm. or in preschools or it which is early years as well i know um or or in primary or in private schools or in universities or in colleges or their science teachers versus philosophy teachers versus english teachers versus art teachers um and then the same is true with scientists you know you can have someone Someone who's a cutting edge state-of-the-art academic um or, or someone who's kind of grinding out test data in in a sort of quality control lab in a in, in a in a in an industrial setting somewhere You know, there's just a huge or you could and then the nature of the variety of science, you could be in the Amazon rainforest taking taking air samples and water samples or you can be deep inside the human brain or you can be looking at particle physics at CERN or or wherever. So the, the word scientist is not enough. The word teacher is not enough. And and I think our infusion of our character and our beliefs and our values with our profession is is much more useful. But of course, our version of that inside our head is perhaps quite different to the. The version that's perceived by others um mm-hmm. anyway i we think we've done that quite well haven't we um oh yeah so, we were
2: amazing Let's see, we were digging. amazing
1: People thanks for thanks for all were your comments amazing? guys um <laughs> we are now 45 minutes in to the show <laughs> i think we will do the news um and then <laughs> we'll and should. then we'll come back and we'll talk about this ridiculous theory which flawed i came up with the, the blur oasis prog trad thing that I did um, because I think that's a bit frivolous and then we can do some music to end off Um, I did say in the adverts for this show so I'm sorry if anyone's dialed in, um, phoned in whatever, pod beaned in especially, um, that we're going to talk about creativity and creative thinking Um. I've always thought actually after last week when we sort of overran um, that that does warrant a whole programme. Um, and so there was, it was based on my blog, based on the original Labour um, report by by David Blunkett about a more creative curriculum and all the, the furore, which is now a few weeks old. Um, but I think it'd be good to dive into the differences between creating something you know which is an artistic thing or a making thing versus the curiosity and creativity of young children versus the the extreme levels of creativity found in 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 intense of high-tech industry and and mathematicians and scientists and inventors and so forth and and then people who are just creative thinkers um who just think i hate this term but you know outside the box or there's there's no boundaries to their thinking or are perhaps a bit more polymathic so they can see things from different perspectives um rather than from their their expert view just within and so i think we're going to have to dedicate a whole show to that next week is that all right ed yes good news news here it is
3: If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
3: The Christian Institute website reports that MPs have backed a push to ensure that state schools in England uphold the legal requirement to teach religious education, which in most cases reflects the centrality of Christianity. MP Martin Vickers led a Westminster debate on the issue and drew attention to the National Association of Teachers of RE on the Department for Education 2021 School Workforce Census the census revealed that one in five schools did not teach RE at all in year 11, despite being required to do so by law. An average of 10% of schools gave no time to RE in the years 7, 8 or 9. MP Nick Fletcher said that, without an understanding of Christianity, it is not possible to understand the foundations of our institutions and laws or British culture. He went on to outline that other religions should be properly recognised in the Preparation of RE syllabus, but that RE needs to recognise the particular place of Christianity in Great Britain. Mr Fletcher cited other demands placed on schools and failures by Ofsted to hold schools to account as the reason for letting RE slip. In response, Nick Gibb, a minister in the DFE, said all mainstream state funded schools are required to teach RE. Schools that are not are acting unlawfully or are in breach of their funding agreement. He also added that collective worship was an important part of school life. Mr Gibb further reiterated the government's commitment to mandatory collective worship and RE, but also a parent's right to withdraw their children from the subject. Earlier this year, a judge ruled that exclusively Christian RE lessons in Northern Irish primary schools is unlawful after a legal challenge was launched. The decision is being appealed as it dismissed the parents' right to withdraw their child from these lessons. In Lincoln, the Investigate Learning team at Lincoln Castle have been recognised for the outstanding learning programme they offer schools, colleges and universities. The Sandford Award recognises museums, galleries and historic buildings that offer the very best programmes aligned with the national curriculum. This year, the castle has welcomed around 8000 pupils and students, teaching them about the medieval monument's history. The Sanford Awards Lead Assessor described the insight the programme offers as unique and compelling. The programme covers a series of locally and nationally significant history, ranging from the medieval world and Magna Carta to the treatment of prisoners in Victorian England, bringing it vividly to life in a way that resonates with learners. In a recent news report on Teachers Talk Radio, we covered the Global World Skills Competition, which is taking place in various countries across the globe. This past week, the UK was hosting for the first time in over 10 years. Competitors have travelled from around the world to compete in aircraft maintenance and manufacturing in Cardiff and Wrexham. Finalists had the opportunity to visit various places of interest in the local areas, including countryside, museums and an old coal mine. These young competitors have been training for the last three years to win medals and showing off their skills. The UK entrants feature homegrown Welsh talent, with George Denman from Swansea telling FE Week how he hopes competing in world skills will be a huge boost to his career, because it teaches key skills like coping under pressure, working as a team, and time management. Finally, new research reveals the impact of accent on social mobility. The latest report from Accent Bias in Britain project, led by Queen Mary University London's Professor Deviana Sharma, reveals that more than a quarter of senior professionals from working class backgrounds have been singled out in the workplace for their accent. The project examines the impact that someone's accent has on their journey through education and into the workplace. Professor Sharma says the research shows that accent based discrimination actively disadvantages certain groups at key points. This creates a negative cycle reinforcing anxiety and marginalisation. The report recommends that action should be taken to diversify the workplace, to ensure a range of accents is prevalent in organisations. Further details of the report can be found on the Queen Mary University of London website. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox.
1: Hi, is that it? Oh, we've not got a tech this week. Um, I was expecting a bit of Steve, we have only six minutes. Wow, Ed, you can come back. You can unmute. We're back in the room early. Hi, people. What happened to the, um, so... what
2: happened to the tech?
1: Where was it? I oh, know. It's the only reason anyone listens.
2: No. I'll tell you what. Shall I go on about some, some, some minor bit? Mm. If you don't know how to do Control-C, Control-V, let me tell you now. <laughs> do you know how to press Control-P? It's very useful.
0: Control-P? Control, Mrs. P.
2: <laughs> Douglas is in a room. He's offering tech tips because normally, Douglas, after the um, after the news, there's normally a chap called Steve tells us something blindingly obvious about computers for about a couple of minutes. And uh, he's not turned up today. Douglas, tell us something really useful about computers. Mm-hmm. If you're planning on getting your school a suite of Chromebooks, Doug- then it's very <laughs> important that it, you do not fucking do that. Douglas, Jesus. no bad words. No, no swearing.
1: No swearing.
0: Chromebooks are the devil. <laughs>
1: that is my son's doing his tech tips. Well, my tech. Right? I, I, I'm going to pick up on Douglas's tech tip because yeah. we you had a, a debate. Uh, uh, well, no, no. Uh, we had a debate about so if we we issue, um, mm-hmm. uh, Chromebooks to our year sevens and eights so they each have one it's kept at school they don't take it home but you know they each have one um that they can use you know in in lessons as as appropriate um but before we (laughs) issued them um we had a debate about whether we should do laptops or chromebooks chromebooks are obviously much cheaper um and and do the kind of basics but i said you know if you want to be a, a you know it's, it's, I think it's, the trouble is, it's. I don't know, it's just lowest common denominator, isn't it? I'm with Douglas, to be honest, because there's loads of stuff you can't do with a Chromebook exactly. That, that, exactly. that you can I do with a laptop. Visit,
2: yeah, Many years ago, when Chromebooks were barely a twinkle in uh, most of our eyes, I went to visit a local school who had specialised... They had a teacher who was very passionate, and you could tell he was very passionate because he had a Windows Chrome badge on his tie.
0: Yeah. Like, but start, oh my gosh yourself
2: then there's an issue isn't there? but that um, <laughs> yeah, you become the product um but uh yeah and he's like oh it's brilliant we do this we do this we do this so i said tell me about it you know so yes well like you know there's me i'm full time and then we've got a couple of other guys who work in the office they're running the chrome system i'm like blimey that's quite as it was another guy who does half a day but you know this is uh uh, and this is how it works. And then I, so then I did a tour of the school, and he showed me they got, you know, trolleys with Chromebooks in every classroom, and kids could just pick them up and log in. It didn't matter which one they picked up, you know. And we went past a room with, well, lots of computers in it. I said, "Oh, look, you still got a thing." He goes, "Oh, yeah, no, you still need a computer room because you can't run." And then he told me all the things you couldn't run. So he says, "Oh, yeah, well, we you know we can't run." all the stuff for the for the uh the design technology stuff because that needs to be on a desktop and it's a bit awkward running windows so we keep machines for that and we do this we do that and we do the other this was in a medium-sized secondary and just like okay what it sounds like is you're using the chromes to take notes in class <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whereas if you want to do anything else that's got proprietary software that isn't an app, a web-based app at no. that point you start needing the other thing and the schools which have dived into it and it's an awful lot of them now can't do a lot of things we used to do in a computer room and the computing curriculum has as a result been narrowed sharply i believe but there you go yes
1: there we and go yeah cheaper, though, a- absolutely it? cheaper cheaper, cheaper.
2: The day, the day but it's a false I, it's, it's monetized properly we will be up against the wall won't we
1: yeah, it's cheaper, and it makes it look like you're doing something sort of modern and techy to the parents in an independent yeah. school. But but you know, the deeper purpose, big questions. Anyway, I've said too much on that already. I think. Um. So we need to go to your music, Ed. But before we go oh, to right. your what music, am I playing? Quick, uh, quick, you're going to play whatever you want to play. Maybe something was um, gonna do a bit of Oasis because we were oh, Don't gosh, you're that. gonna wind me up. Don't don't play Oasis yet though, because I need to talk about this first. Um Okay. So well, are you going to talk
2: about it now or am I gonna <laughs> well, quickly choose a different tune?
1: <laughs> what? I don't know, you can talk about Oasis. Um Why? you you can you can choose an Oasis time. tune. But I'm going to talk about this, this ridiculous, I came up with this. Mm -hmm. So I have these, keep having these debates um, about everything and anything with, with the wonderful Mm -hmm. big shout out to Alison Honeybone. I don't know if she ever listens to the show. I don't think she listens live, but um, she may listen back. Um, And um, anyway, Alison and I, I, we sort of agree on quite a lot, but we also have quite different, um, we come from different places. And, and one of the things, there's been a lot about Pulp on on the on the twits recently because pulp um pretty much everybody loves pulp i love pulp um and i've seen them and i saw them back in the early days well not their really early days because they were together for years before they became became popular and famous um several my several years
2: tina, my friend tina who i used to work with back in the 90s
1: yeah uh, used to
2: go to parties at um at Jarvis's flat when she was at university. Yeah, I nice. My boss in the mid '90s. So there you go.
1: Yeah, and Jarvis said, so, so "I think I think Pulp formed about 1983 or 1984." But they, they would, they, they said, so, but they. Uh, they played on the NME stage in the afternoon on the sunday afternoon in 99 mm-hmm. my first Glastonbury in 1994 and they weren't very well known then that was a his and hers album do you remember the first time i can't remember a worse time know, and babies oh, yeah. was on that album and and um and she's a lady um and all that and and lyrically fascinating what charisma jarvis has um good good tunes as well i i you see i don't i think pulp are great but i don't think there is they don't think they they've not got the body of work that that um blur have in my opinion you know mm-hmm. they've got two really fantastic albums and they're a bit perhaps a bit cooler because damon Albans quite a uh, and a kind of mm-hmm. Uh, what's the word? He winds people up, you know, he's quite he's quite a but but um, but I think um, a lot of people on the Twitter have been going on about Pulp and this because they're playing a some reunion concerts in the summer and very excited about their tickets. And then somehow I got into a conversation about this and then the old Blur and Oasis thing came up and it's also boring and And I came up, I developed this theory, which is completely flawed. I knew it was flawed at the time, but it's quite fun that if you're a blur fan, more of a blur fan than an oasis fan um there's a correlation with being a little bit more prog leaning in terms of teaching. And if you're an OASIS fan, it's a bit stodgy. It's a bit trad. It's a bit safe. It's a bit one dimensional. Um, it's a bit, you know, if you're an OASIS fan, you're more, more of a yeah. traditionalist sort of teacher. And so I put this survey out and I was wrong people. Well, the first, <laughs> yeah. thing I, the first thing I found out is that of the 127 people on my timeline who answered the survey, 55% prefer blur to the 45% who like Oasis better. So so that was a good result. I liked that result because that that's not in line with the uh, the sort of popularity um sing along in the pub kind of thing. Um so so I was pleased with that winning but also um there're more trad leaning people in the survey. So 32% for Blur and 26% for Oasis. So what's that the 32 38 um 58% trad leaning and 23 plus 19 um is indeed um 42% um whatever prog leaning but both blur and oasis had more trad leaning fans than um, prog leaning fans and the difference between them. So Blur trad leaning thirty two percent, Blur prog leaning twenty three percent, Oasis trad leaning twenty six percent, and Oasis prog leaning nineteen percent. So my theory's blown out of the water. Although it wasn't a very well conducted, it wasn't a randomly controlled trial or whatever you call them. And um, no. No, and no, so so. Was,
2: I'm honest. I thought it was doomed to failure from the very first. <laughs> <point>. <laughs>
1: I thought it was doomed to failure as well, but I enjoyed having a bit of fun with it.
2: Right on that one, then. <laughs> You're going to be right. Sorry? Something. Sorry. So it must have been nice to be right on that one. On the <laughs> it's doomed to failure. I don't know. Yes. I, I mean, I, got, I actually got what you were getting at. And I thought, yeah, I can kind of see that idea. I think I know. I know how wrong I was to, to assume that trans were more likely to vote conservative. You know, I that that turned out to be as wrong as a wrong thing, didn't it? So, uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that one. Where's Lucy, Lucy's
1: loves put, everybody Lucy's loves put in the chat, blur, blur, blur. Um, and Mrs. P in both debates, it just depends how I feel on any given day. Yes, do I mean,
2: remember, do you remember, um, Liam Herring's Fist of Fun? Yeah, was on the yes, pellet, I do. Around the same time, I think it was Fist of Fun, whichever, I think it was that outing. They had a character who was the slightly strange vicar actually he might have been on this morning with richard not judy to think about it but he, and he used to come on and do a strange little homily played by names going out of my head it will come to me in the middle of the night but um yes he did not well a young man came up to me and he said who do you prefer the blur band or the oasis band and i said oh my dear boy i prefer jesus and he said no that's <laughs> not what i asked you i asked you do you prefer blur or oasis so i said i prefer i prefer blur i prefer blur and then he went away and i said but really i prefer jesus and um (laughs) it was funny at the time but i think that's how it is with a lot of people with pulp you know they they have to have an answer to the oasis um oasis blur um dichotomy but really they, they they what they truly love is common people isn't it that's what they really love
1: yeah, Common People is such down a fantastic down. song. Common People fantastic. is is Trump's all all other songs of its era because it's just it's very very clever and and what and a could little bit bitter. Go up
2: against it? That's a really good question for another time or a thread on Twitter or Mastodon or something. Yeah, what song could you poss- from that era? Could you possibly put up against Common People? I can't think of one right now. No, Jaya, possibly that was great.
1: Go Vintergir. <laughs> 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 Cooler Shaker, that was right up there. Um, no, I, I don't think. No, I don't think there's. A, I don't think for me there's not a one standout blur track because because um, it's a body of work and it's a body of work that is is quite diverse. Um, I like their I like their punky energy and their and their and their and their their songcraft and their lyrics. Whereas Oasis, I I, I appreciate their first album because it was fresh. Um, but I just don't think there's as much, you know, it's it doesn't intrigue me musically, it it's 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 to
2: me, but I'm not, I'm not who they're saying that that's fine,
1: yeah. Anyway. But there's no right answer on any of this stuff, there's no right oh, answer on there, any this stuff because it is no, no it's right the answer, subjectivity like, oh, a lot of, of wrong taste,
2: answers and one of them's Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is five past ten, I've got to go to bed soon. Um, so let's do a verse and a chorus and then, uh and we might wind it up. And you've got to sing along. Today,
1: Today is going to be the gonna day be the that the am going to throw it back, back to you.
2: By now you should have somehow realised what you got to do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do.
1: About you now, now. Back me word is, word right is on the street that the fire, fire in the fire your fire heart is out. Is out. I'm sure, sure you
2: heard it all before, but you never really had a doubt. I don't believe that anybody feels, feels the, way the way
1: I, I do, do about you now. You ready for the chorus because it's a big one? You're my wonder. Named after George Harrison film, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think George maybe smiled and nodded and said, "That's really sweet, guys." But I don't know that it's anyway. I, I think
1: I, I like the beginning.
2: This is good. Is that, the verse is, is good. It is a good song if you don't read the lyrics. You know, if you just listen. I think to
1: it. I think the song is good. The verse is good. I don't think the chorus is that great because it's so. Wanky. <laughs> I think <laughs> the chorus right. is sorry. um am for the Oasis fans, um, but it's just, it's just. They, Oasis fans absolutely
2: kicking off in the mention in the, the in the um, comments.
1: Are they? are they? Are they? I don't know. No, we'll look, <laughs> no. We don't have Oasis fans listening to our show. No, I don't think we do. No. They <laughs> might listen back. They'll never it's listen back like again.
2: Yeah.
1: Do you want to do one Let's more verse, or do you want to say goodnight? No, I'm going to say goodnight. You ready?
2: One, two, three.
1: Good night. Good night.
0: You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.